This episode has lots of violence. Listener discretion is advised. Mike stood, staring at the large wooden door as the small cabin that was a temporary meeting place tonight and sighed. This is what I've been reduced to, he said to himself. The night was serene and a cool breeze carried the smell of fresh green leaves through the air. In the distance, you could hear the chirping of crickets interspersed with the ruffling of leaves as the nocturnal animals ignored his presence and continued in their activities. Mike looked around and caught Antonio standing in the distance, staring into the forest. Let's hope I won't be needing your help tonight. I need unquestioned loyalty of everyone in this room. Mike proceeded towards the cabin slowly, his mind racing through all the possibilities. Who could be behind this? First, Hemendriov, and Arnold Rumor found dead, their throats slit from ear to ear. Then Caspar Barol, kidnapped, in a public place during his anniversary dinner. Who would dare this? They would never have done this under father. He shook his head in disbelief as he approached the door of the cabin. Sir, Hassel said, opening the door of the cabin as Mike approached. Mike looked up, nodded, and stepped into the cabin. There was an underlying musty smell in the room, competing with the smell of burning cedar that gave it an acrid odor. There was a wood crackling in the fireplace in the corner of the wooden chamber. Mike looked at the heads of the five families sitting around a small table. Saskia Kressinger sat with her leg crossed in the middle of the men, her emerald green eyes sparkling as she watched Mike step in. To her left was the hulking figure of Ingolf Bertalik. Ingolf's expressions tended to be angry, and he's often mistaken for someone with no sense of humor. Ingolf turned to Benedict, who was sitting to his left, and the old man nodded. To Saskia's right was the ever-smiling Moritz Schechter, who had a reputation for whistling out of any responsibility, and to his right was the sheepish-looking Frederick Koch, who wouldn't hesitate to stab you in the back if the opportunity presented itself. Seems Matthias had other plans tonight, Mike said, staring at the empty chair beside Friedrich as he took off his coat and handed it to Hasso. Moritz, did you let him know explicitly that he was needed at this meeting? I swear on the lives of Candace and my little child that I let him know how important this meeting was, Moritz responded with his hands firmly on his chest. I guess I'm not that important anymore, Mike said, with a knife-edged smile as he stared coldly at Moritz. We must proceed, I suppose, looking away from him. There was silence as the loud crackling of burning wood filled the room. Mike surveyed the area, quietly trying to gauge how to start the conversation. Moritz grabbed his collar, and ran his fingers around the edges. Hot? Mike asked. Barely, Maurice responded quickly. Mike nodded. I'm sure you're wondering why I brought you all out here for an urgent meeting, Mike began. There was some mumbling in the room and then silence. We seem to be having some existential problems that could be closing in on all directions. As you know, 
The new superintendent is a bit of a Girl Scout. I've got word that she's mobilizing forces for a new encroachment. Normally, that wouldn't be too much of a problem. But it seems we have dissent amongst us. Most importantly, there is a snake amongst us. Mike paused for effect. The last time I was here, I was standing in that corner, Mike said, pointing to the corner of the room to his left. I remember it so vividly. Do you remember it too, Benedict? Benedict hunched over and leaned forward away from the shadows of the men sitting beside him. The light illuminated his face, getting darker as it got deeper into the wrinkles that had bored into his skin. There was still a hint of dark hair on his balding scalp that seemed to betray his age. But any betrayal was corrected as he began to speak. I remember that day quite well. Your father, General Reichenau, sat there in full regalia as he broke the news that the Engelstadt had decided to give us autonomy as part of the peace process. He heaved heavily and looked around the room. His teary eyes and one face told a thousand stories. Thank you, Benedict, Mike responded. I know it means a lot to you, as it did to me. That night, we signed our freedom. The colony was a small concession for all that we had lost in that war. But it is ours. We have to be able to maintain our independence despite encroachment from Engelstadt. We have stood together and fought back. Aye, Benedict responded, leaning back in his chair. Mike smiled warmly for a brief second as he watched Benedict. Then he turned to the rest of the men and his smile faded. The new superintendent should not be taken lightly. Under the guise of law and order, she plans to break a promise that needs to be held sacred. Now more than ever, we need to stick together. What do you all think? There was a chorus of assent from the men and women sitting in the room. So, imagine my surprise when I hear Hemendrioff and Anoruma were killed. He paused. Not just that. They had their throats slit as they lay side by side. I spent nights pondering how anyone could get so close to those two. What sort of animal does that? Mike said, clenching his fist as his veins in his neck sprung to life, throbbing. The room was deathly silent. Then days later, that fuck, Matthias, walks into my office with his low-life brother Julius with a proposition for me to consider. The Ragnar family is considering going independent, he says to me. The world has changed, Matthias says to me, and we have to adapt. Mike continued, his voice getting louder. He tells me he has been talking to the crew. He said, looking around with bloodshot eyes. You all seem to agree that perhaps our businesses are better off separate because we're diversified? We won't be competing with each other, he argued with me. I told him I won't even think about it. So here we are tonight, 
in this critical meeting. And that fuck is not even here. His knuckles turned white as they shook uncontrollably. Mike, Saskia Kersinger began. Breathe, she said calmly. Mike turned to her immediately. Did you consider the option he gave you, Saskia? Now is not the time to talk about it, Mike. Like you said, we have a problem looming with the superintendent, she responded quickly. Crossinger Enterprises? Was that what you were going to call it? Mike continued sarcastically. Did all of you agree to that proposal? The setter would crackle in the fire. I am disappointed. We face the biggest threat we could ever face and you lot are bickering about possessions. Let me ask you, which of you have suffered under my leadership? You live great lives where you want for nothing and you ungrateful lot repay me with this? Mike stared at Benedict. Benedict, you too? Benedict slumped in his chair and looked away. Mike's eyes turned leery as he watched Benedict shrink. There's a snake amongst us. Mike paused. Perhaps the words were harsh. Who amongst you felt it was important to take out my two top lieutenants? There was an uncomfortable silence as he looked around the room. Was it all of you? A considered effort to get to me? Speak! You're making baseless accusations, Mike. Ingolf Deep Voice responded. We all stand accused of crimes that I'm sure none of us participated in. Somehow, you seem convinced by that. And I want to state categorically that I had nothing to do with it. I can vouch for everyone in this room. I wonder how my father would have responded to this, Mike continued. You are not your father, Benedict replied. You are far more logical and a lot fairer. Your dad was an angry man, and he let his anger get the best of him. That may be so. You would never have knocked on his door to tell him what he fought for should be divided equally amongst people who did not toil for it. You forget that some of us fought in that war, Benedict interjected. Only you, Benedict. The rest of them are pretenders. Mike slowly got to his feet. I came here hoping to rekindle our past. This cabin was where we signed our Declaration of Independence, where we got the opportunity to make the colony our home. Tonight, I leave heartbroken, knowing we may have already lost the war. Mike, I think you're overthinking this, Saskia began. Nothing is stopping us from banding together to resist the threat. You really are taking this very personally. Our interest in diversifying is simply business. Mike interrupted Saskia. If this is simply business, where is Casper? Where are Herman and Arnold? 
one of you, maybe all of you have ambitions. You attack my men, and that makes it personal. I came here to tell you to your face, whoever you are, that you should be less of a coward. Step into the light and speak your mind. Here's your opportunity. Say to my face. If I leave this room without knowing where Casper is, I will assume I cannot trust any of you. I am okay with everyone deciding to pursue their own agenda at some point, but taking out my men makes this very personal to me. Mike looked around the room. I can assure you that no one has anything to do with the death or Casper's disappearance. A solemn Benedict responded. Of course, Mike nodded. In that case, I bid you adieu, and best of luck in your adventures. Hassel walked up to Mike with his coat and waited as Mike slid it on. He opened the door as Mike approached it. Mike turned around a final time and stared at Benedict, who buried his face in his palms and then walked out. Much has been said about these boiling woods, Antonio said, staring into the darkness of the forest in front of him. The trees stood side by side, tightly packed, allowing almost no light through. The cold breeze passed through the tightly packed trees, resulting in an eerie sound that echoes like a child wailing in pain. Antonio took in a deep breath and slowly let it out, then watched the vapors produce foggy white mists. He chuckled. It's cold as shit tonight, he said under his breath. He folded his arms and stared into the darkness in front of him. Five more minutes, he thought. It will all go down in five minutes. He closed his eyes and imagined the sense of power he felt with the steel in his hands. The forest let out a wailing sound, and Antonio opened his eyes to survey the area. There's no such thing as ghosts, <laughs> he chuckled uncomfortably. The newspapers always cite apparitions and unexplained phenomena. How come it never happens when I'm here? Show me yourself, ghosts, Antonio said, slapping his chest. There was a loud crack in the distance, and Antonio turned his attention to where the sound had come from. He squinted hard for a few seconds, then relaxed. The ghosts are coming, Antonio said under his breath, as his eyes darted from left to right. They keep saying it's the trees. Knowing my looks, tonight will be the one time the ghosts appear. In that case, I'm really fucked. What if all the ghosts of my past decided to come for revenge? He reached into his pants and pulled out clips of bullets. I have enough rounds to take care of myself for a while. But what if it's not sufficient? <laughs> Antonio laughed uncomfortably and shook his head. Stop thinking about shit like that, he said. Stay focused. Two more minutes, Antonio thought, glancing at his watch again. He shivered when the cold wind went under his collar. Time is moving really slow tonight, he continued, glancing at his watch again. Perhaps that could work in my favor. If things go as I hope, 
I have five traitors in my crosshairs tonight. Maybe two. I'll be okay with even one. I've been idle for too long. You spat on the ground. Then we go for that fucking superintendent. What's her name? Masha? Marisa? Melissa? Doesn't matter. Fuck her! I intend to make it slow and deliberate. I'm going to make her afraid of our shadows. A gust of wind blew, and Antonio shivered violently. He felt a silver mask in his pocket and got excited. The boss has tried to keep me away from this fight for too long. He's always talking about my volatility. But he wouldn't be the Dragon Baron without me. This man, this man would break ranks the moment he showed any weakness. The boss is always trying to be more accommodating. Fuck accommodating. We wipe out all our enemies. This is what his father would have done, and this is the clearest part to staying in power. Tonight, I hope to get to wear the mask again. I'm the only one who knows how it feels to be behind it. He closed his eyes and gave an orgasmic grin before exhaling loudly. I remember the first day I put it on. The mission with that asshole, John. His face contorted in anger and he spat on the ground. He ran his fingers above his right eye and felt the scar. His fingers followed its path down his cheek and he quivered. John will get his fair share in return. His hands trembled as his thoughts overwhelmed him. I hope the boss brings him back. I'll show that bastard who is the boss now. He exhaled again. Without the mask, I feel naked, vulnerable and weak. The moment I put it on, I feel like I can take on the world. On nights when loud messages must be sent, I am the only one capable of sending it. The watch on Antonio's wrist vibrated twice. He reached into his coat and pulled out the silver mask. He ran his fingers along its curves and felt his pulse begin to race, looking at the mask in his hand. I'm like a dog. Who knows he's about to go for a walk. I need to control the urge. He forced himself to wait a few seconds, then acquiesced to what his body longed for. Life is my prison, and this is my only escape. Antonio placed the mask over his head and felt a warm feeling of euphoria envelop him. He felt his heartbeat slow down and his shivering subsided. His agitation made way for a new feeling of confidence. I am at ease with what is about to happen. Antonio turned and started walking down the hill and towards the cabin as Mike walked towards his car in the distance. Mike stopped by his vehicle and stared at Antonio as he began to walk down the hill. He nodded, then got in the car, and it started towards Antonio. There were three options. The car could blink once, twice, or three times. If it blinked once, it meant Mike was satisfied with what he had heard. The car would stop, Antonio would have to get in, and that would be all for the evening. If it blinked twice, it would mean that while Mike was not satisfied with all that was said, he had decided to give the victims time 
part of the new policy of strategic patience that Antonio despised. If it blinked thrice, it would mean that Mike wanted them annihilated. So many nights that I've ended with two blinks, Antonio said, gritting his teeth. Please, not, let's not fuck up my night. Aso, who was driving, hit the lights. One, Antonio counted. Another blink. Two. The car started to slow down, and Antonio felt his heart sink. Then a third, fourth, fifth, sixth blink. Then Hasso hit the gas and sped off. Antonio slowly began to jog down the hill. His heart was beating so hard, it almost felt like he could hear it echoing all around him. His heart felt like it could bust out of his chest at any time. This is what I live for. He said as he focused on his destination, a cabin in the middle of the bowling woods, surrounded by death and despair. Like a bug, I am attracted to the light. Five new souls for the bowling wood tonight. I come not as a judge this evening. I give no fucks if you're right or wrong. I am just a man with a message. Antonio screamed as he picked up his face. I am the harbinger of death! He screamed, ramming through the front door. There was a loud crack, and the door fell forward. The person in front of it stumbled forward under its weight. Antonio! The voice escaped Saskia Kressinger before she realized it, and she stood wide-eyed as she hulking figure of Antonio entered the room forcefully. Her eyes skirted around the room wildly as she tried to find a means of escape. Mike gave us his word for safe passage, Antonio, Benedict declared, his voice unable to mask his anguish. Mike gave us the right of passage. With one swift movement, Antonio turned the barrel of his 480 Ruger on Benedict and pulled the trigger. There was an explosion from the barrel, and within seconds, the impact of the bullet hit Benedict hard in the chest and forced him back into the ground. He was dead before he hit the floor. Moritz's hand shot up in the air. I'll tell you anything you need, Antonio, he pleaded. Tell Mike, tell Mike that. Oh, oh no, oh no, oh no, he muttered as Antonio's hawking figure towered over him. Antonio, what are you doing? Moritz continued in a shaky voice. This is a place of peace. This is why we're here. I do not make the rules, Antonio responded. For fuck's sake, man, st stop acting like a damn robot. You and I, we're, we're more than friends. Remember? You played the trumpet at my son's christening. We're for side by side many times. You gotta turn a blind eye, man. Think of our history, brother. Think of it. He said, a tear rolling down his cheek. You bring up our history? Antonio began. There was a shuffle behind him, and Antonio turned around to see Seskia Kressinger, Friedrich Koch, and Ingolf Bitelik make a dash for the exit. Moritz, seeing Antonio momentarily distracted, quickly reached for his gun. He felt a rush of hope as he pulled the gun from his holster. The feeling only lasted a few seconds. Antonio pulled the trigger and watched the blood splatter all around the corner of the room. You should have said your last words, brother, but at least your death was swift. Antonio muttered, turning towards the exit. He walked cautiously towards the door that had been left ajar, his gun dangling from his right hand. 
Antonio, you fuck! The deep voice of Ingolf Bitterlich bellowed as he grabbed Antonio and dragged him out of the doorway. Ingolf then flung him forward into the forest. Grab his mask! The sheepish voice of Friedrich Koch screamed as Antonio momentarily lost his balance and stumbled onto the floor. Your boss is not man enough to face me alone, so he sends his bulldog. Ingolf bellowed, dashing forward. Did he think you could eliminate me like a dog? He kicked Antonio in the chest and watched as he rolled on the floor. What did you think would happen? Did you think you could just waltz in, shut up the place, and get out? What do you take me for? Grab his mask, you fuck! Friedrich said, making a dash for Antonio. You think we all fear you, Antonio? Wrong. You think too highly of yourself. Ingolf continued, ignoring Friedrich, who frantically grasped at Antonio's mask. Just then, Antonio shifted, grabbed Friedrich by the neck, and pulled Friedrich's face within inches of ease. A dirt, you piece of shit, he growled. He pulled the trigger of his Ruger, and Friedrich's limp and lifeless body collapsed in a heap. Ingolf jumped back in shock, and his hand shot him in the air. You think I'm going to beg you, you dog? Ingolf screamed as Antonio got to his feet with his gun trained on him. Mike has forgotten what war feels like, so he sends his goons to do his dirty work. His dog. His rabid dog. Antonio stood motionless with his gun trained at Ingolf. Do it, you dog. Woof. Woof. Pull the trigger. Ingolf bellowed as he grew impatient for death. Are you too cowardly now? Pull the trigger, you fucking dog. Do it. What are you waiting for? Me. The deep, hoarse voice of Mike said from right behind Ingolf. Ingolf turned swiftly to see Mike standing by the doorway. Before he could react, Mike reached into his jacket and made a dash in Ingolf's direction. Ingolf saw his reflection in the cold still seconds before it pierced its throat. He fell to the ground as the knife tore through his muscles and tendon. Mike towered over him as Ingolf kicked and clutched at his neck. You think I'm worried about getting my hands dirty? Mike scoffed. Should have been more concerned about your waning loyalty. Mike knelt to the ground, placing his knees on Ingolf's elbow. He pulled Ingolf's hands away from his neck and raised his knife towards the sky. I have always wondered who could have been able to get so close to Herman and Arnold. Now it's evident to me. He continued, watching Ingol's eyes dart around wildly as he lay helpless. An eye for an eye, a head for a head. Mike said, placing the knife on Ingol's neck. Goodbye, old friend. Mike said as the blood sprayed everywhere. Ingol's legs kicked around wildly as the knife cut through meat and bone. Then everything went silent. Mike got to his feet reached into his pocket and grabbed his handkerchief. Greasy hair. He smirked. He wiped his hands clean and then signaled for Hassel to come over. Get John on the phone. This instant. We're going to need some reinforcements against the Ragnar family. Hassel nodded. Mike turned to Antonio, who was standing motionless as the blood sipped into the soil around his feet. Isn't there someone you should be dealing with? 
Antonio nodded and headed into the dark forest in search of Saskia Kressinger. Stupid bitch didn't go far, he muttered, catching a glimpse of a silhouette behind the tree. Help! Help! He's trying to kill me! Saskia began to scream as she watched in horror as Antonio approached her with his knife drawn. Asshole! You burn in hell, she said through tears. She reached for a stone and hurled it as hard as she could towards the approaching Antonio. The stone missed him and Antonio chuckled menacingly. It feels just like a pinprick, Saskia, Antonio said. I'll make it as clean as possible. No! Saskia screamed defiantly. She fell to her knees and reached for another rock. Before she could grab it, she felt Antonio's big shoes crush her hands to the ground. She screamed, the veins on her forehead popping out and her eyes bulging as she tried to free herself with all the strength she could muster. Antonio placed his foot on her chest and slowly forced her to the ground, ignoring her screams. Antonio! Antonio! You don't, you don't have to do this, she said, pleading with him. Her face was covered with mucus and sweat, and she was breathing profusely as the knife traveled down, slowly, towards her neck. Oh my God! Oh my God! Can you not think for yourself? Saskia asked, as wide-eyed and helpless, the knife slowly pierced her neck. Antonio smiled, watching the blood bust from her neck, and held her as she struggled wildly. He watched the fear in her eyes. She made several guttural noises, then she stopped moving. Five new souls for the Bollingwood tonight, he muttered under his breath. I come not as a judge this evening, but as an executioner. I give no fucks if you're right or wrong. I am just a man with a message. And my message has been sent. Antonio spat on her, turned around and headed towards Mike, who was standing in front of the cabin.